I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a family, choose a fucking big television, choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight I'm joined by two great guests to discuss the classic that is Trainspotting. Firstly, I'm lucky enough to be joined once again by Rory Greenfield, co-host of the excellent AI Comic Pod. How are you, Rory? I'm good, mate. Yourself? I'm great, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for coming on once again. Um, I'm Always a pleasure, mate. Your thoughts. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm also lucky enough to be joined by Carl Copper author and writer for the likes of Anfield Index and the Anfield Rap. How are you doing, Carl? Yeah, not bad, mate. Oh, thanks for coming on. I know we, you're both are massive fans of this film. Really and I've got a, oh, I don't know, I know, and I've got a hell of a lot to say, so I'll get straight into it because there's so much to discuss. So, starting with yourself, please, Carl, can you remember when and where you first saw Trainspotting and what you thought of it at the time? I can, yeah. It was 1996, and um, I was working uh, in London with The Guardian, and uh, I remember the poster before anything else, because the poster was all the characters with their names on oh, them. Yeah. And, um, and I remember, I think it was right in the middle of Britpop, which is really important in 1996, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, it was basically the, the film for Britpop. And um, I went, so I was supposed to go and see it with my mate, who just kept cancelling on me all the time. I've told us this recently. Just kept cancelling and cancelling. And I went, you know what? I'm going to go and see it on my own. Like, that was some sort of brave thing for me to do. <laughs> go to the cinema on your own. And, and now I love going to the cinema on my own. So, um, so yeah, I, f- I finally went to see it. And uh, it was just the fastest film I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be more. You're right. It, it, it starts... It starts fast and carries on in that vein right away. Well, it starts like with the a sprint. Through. Yeah. It starts yeah. with a sprint. And you know, it's just not bad. 
it's 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 electrifying, isn't it? Because I mean, I don't know. I, I I was a teenager at the time, and sometimes you have like sort of naive, or I don't know whether that's the right word, but like preconceived preconceived ideas or prejudices. One of mine was that British films at that age, anyway. Uh, uh, I've watched a lot more and gave a lot more films a chance, but I had this idea: British films. They're always grim and quite dull, and I associated them with kitchen sink dramas and things like that. Obviously, sort of yeah, and obviously a lot of the stuff in this is quite grim, but it's also got that sort of energy and that sort of colour and vibrancy right throughout it. And that intro, just seeing the start of the film, that just straight away I was hooked, and any of those ideas I had previously were gone. Um, what about yourself, Rory? Do you know what, mate? I always, we always talk about this. I can't remember um, in the slightest. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit younger than yourself. So I was only, <laughs> I think I was only 12 when it came out. Um, wow. So I don't think I probably saw it at the time. Um, I definitely saw it. It was on film four a lot. And I think film four was probably in its kind of infancy when, mm-hmm. when kind of train spotting was around. So um, it was on that a lot. And I've kind of watched it. I've watched it so many times over the years. Um, it's a Channel Four film, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of um, a lot of Danny Boyle's films are always in association yeah. with Channel Four. Um, and yeah, I, he. I think I watched it. I don't know various times through my teens, but every time I watched it, um, it seems to change each each time. You know, through you know portions of your life, really. So um, yeah, it's quite a staggering film. I, I agree with you on the. I mean, it's bleak, and the outlook is quite bleak, but it the vibrancy is incredible in the film. And yeah, like you said, I mean, the soundtrack, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is just it's just magnificent. And kicking kicking off with Iggy Pop, um, Lost for Life is just it's just genius. It's just that opening scene. Just it does it hooks you from from minute one really. And there's and it's not there's not many films that do that and keep your focus. Um, and yeah, I think Train Spotting just entirely kept my focus when I first saw it. And every time I watch it since, it's always, you know, been the forefront of my focus when I'm, when it's on. Yeah, yeah, no, summed, summed up really well. And I think it's it, it's one of them, like we, like you said about its bleakness. I think uh, Danny Boyle himself said, you know, you could take a lot of a lot of the sorts of plot and a lot of the things that happen in in the story. And it could be done by Ken Loach and be a totally different film because yeah. it does have that bleakness, but obviously this has that humour and vibrancy. I'm going to come to to Carl. Oh, sorry, sorry John, can, can I just say, have you have you yeah. read the book? I have, yeah, yeah. I, the, I read the, book the book is 300 times bleaker than the film is. Oh yeah, the book's yeah, just I, horrible. I have to be honest, I don't have the greatest of memories, so there's a lot of the book I probably forgot. Well, but um, I, Matty's I, in it I, a lot more in the. Um, uh, I think Matty's even in the film, but there's a story, there's, there's like a little tale about him, about him um, basically faking a kid's death because um, he knows that, that, that because from the, something like that this kid's dad's um, dying in hospital or something, and he takes photos of the kid supposedly um, being killed or something like that, and he's done it himself, he's drugged the kid, but it's all like very, very safe and everything, he just hated the bloke so much, that he, it's like stuff like that, and it's like, Jesus Christ, yeah, really bleak. It's a hard watch at times as it is, but yeah. as you say, it sounds the like a lot of things out, to happen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like that'd be, you know, 
I, don't, I, I think they probably got the balance just right because I, I think that there the probably is a tipping point at which case you have too much, uh, too too much of that type of thing for it to, to really work for me anyway. So I think they probably got the, the balance spot on. Yeah. I'm going to go back to you for this one, Carl, just purely because Rory was a kid at the time. I'm sure, obviously, you'll know this just with his knowledge, but it it was like a cultural phenomenon, wasn't it, at the time? It, when when it was coming out and, and, and the build-up and everything, like you mentioned, the poster campaign, everything about it was, was, was massive. Why, why do you think it was so massive in the build-up and why do you think it was then so massive and successful following that? Well, I, th- I think I think Britpop is a part of it, just because mm-hmm. um, Britpop was very loud and very sort of like you know young based, and um, so '96 there would have been Oasis and What's the Stone and Morning Glory, uh, Pulp, um, that sort of thing, and it was all very very big images and um, and you know like album covers were very artistic and stuff. So any um, any any film worth its salt would, would have like a proper a, a proper you know in, in, in innovative poster and um train spotting was just like you know written in huge letters the, the main characters there um they all look really weird in their own separate way um particularly sports obviously because he's the strangest dressed man ever to be seen in film history <laughs> and uh <laughs> it just looked yeah. it just looked totally weird and it, it just basically and I'd, I'd heard of Evan welsh anyway but i just thought um, and then, of course, Danny Boyle did it, and, and Shallow Grave was a bit of being out for a bit by that yeah. as, as, then as well. And just think, well, that's just the perfect combination. And 1996 was the year to bring it out. It was just the perfect time. That's I think it was the summer to bring it out. Yeah, it's all, all, all that brick pop, and uh, I'm not mad on this phrase, but it was at the time. Cool Britannia was, was all that, yeah. And yeah, Euro 96, even for, yeah, Euro 96, even yep. the, the Premier League. You know, it was a. Uh, it, it, football had a real sort of, as well had a real glamour and excitement and it was funny I was obviously beforehand I was looking at some of the stuff in relation to the film and the build up to it and the, I think it was one of the production designers had like a scrapbook of different things as influences and things and one of them was like a picture of Ian Wright and someone celebrating on a pitch you know in terms of that sort of at times, obviously, it's not there all the time, but that sort of camaraderie between them when they are actually in like more joyful scenes together. Yeah. And it, you're right, I think it was just so many of those things mixed together. It was like the perfect time for this film. I think it'd be successful any time, but the time and then, and with that poster campaign, which is probably the best I've ever known, to be honest, it's the most yeah. memorable in my lifetime. Um, just particularly when it's such a low budget film relatively as well. It's it's yeah. just amazing. Well what outside about... the Guardian office, the the, the, mm-hmm. the the biggest poster was right opposite the office as if to say, you know, this is this you're all going to see this. Mm-hmm. It was a very young office I was working in and uh, and you know, we were all into the same stuff, like about forty people around about my age. Mm-hmm. And it it was just no one ever said, No, I'm not gonna go and see that, that might be overrated. Honestly, it was just you just caught up in it straight away. And then you yeah, see it yeah. and you just think, That's brilliant, that's so good. Yeah, lived lived up to all all, yeah. all the expectations. Didn't yeah. it? What about yourself, Rory? Why do you think it was so 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 much of a phenomenon, and which continues really? Obviously, we're talking about it now. Why do you think it it made such a big impact? I think, as you said, I mean, you know, we talk about films now and their ridiculous marketing budgets. So, you know, um, I don't know Batman with its hundred million dollar budget for Marvel. 
acting alone and stuff. And that, to me, was just the film that was just everywhere. Um, I remember as a teenager wanting desperately to watch it. I, there's no chance I would have got to see it in the cinema, I don't think, um, unless I snuck in. But um, but certainly, you know, it was the album cover, which was the same poster art. So everyone had that, that soundtrack. It's probably one of the most, I don't know, bought soundtracks in this country because mm-hmm. it was just everywhere. Um, and those those posters are the kind of things that you know they they obviously stick the big ones up and they're in the, all the bus shelters and everywhere you look and they're the kind of things that hang around for years you know what I mean because there was quite so many of them um, that even if they're being ripped off and replaced and stuff they're still the kind of orange that you recognise with Trainspotting and it just it did define a kind of generation and and I was big into Oasis at the time it was you know it's everyone played an instrument or you know mm-hmm. um, and Britpop was huge and I, I think it's just yeah it just encapsulated that period of the 90s and for me it was just kind of growing up and um, I don't know coming into adulthood and all the rest of it really so yeah it goes kind of hand in hand with that in my lifetime and, and yeah it crossed generations I mean that's the thing with Trainspotting it you know I remember parents talking about it as well as kids in the school ground and it was one of those films i think that just just exploded and i mean if you look at what else came out like, yeah there was transporting was the the big film i think you know there wasn't anything that rivaled it and it probably yeah for such a low budget film to to gross that well and then just get that kind of buzz it was that proper thing where everyone talked about it and there's not many films that that can do that nowadays it's it was a different era there's no social media and everything else to to mark it was it was literally word of mouth and and you know the visuals and the marketing and it was just yeah it's just genius yeah no summed up perfectly there um obviously one of the key factors in it being such a successful film is is that fantastic cast obviously the majority of them have got of really successful careers and the key role is obviously the character of Renton and Hugh McGregor's performance what 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 did you think of th- those Rory? I, th- I think yeah I, I probably still think and I haven't seen all of Hugh McGregor's films but it's got to be his finest role um, I think he I think he just delivered a perfect part and, and he he at times is, is mesmerising on screen because um, he, he kind of works a little bit out of sync to everyone else. Um, they all obviously have their own <laughs> styles and they're all very distinct, um, but it's the way it's shot, and that's Danny Boyle perfectly because yeah. that's what he's gone on to do, you know. But he he tends to take the focus whenever he's on screen and um, he's just got that. He just stands out. I mean, he lost, I think, like two stone for the part in about two months, which is quite wow. ridiculous. Um, but he lost two stone for the part. And, and, he, and you know, read and, you know, read all the books about addiction and, and met a lot of people who were ex-heroin addicts and the rest. And I think he kind of threw himself into the role. And, and since he's become more Hollywood friendly and obviously gone on to do Star Wars and all the rest of it, there's rare times you've seen him kind of get into a part the way he did then. Um, and it's, he's done some good roles, and he's he's obviously a huge, huge kind of a list actor these days. But um, but yeah, I just thought he stole every scene he was in, and I thought his story was was probably the most interesting for me in his development throughout. And 
yeah, I mean, he had the big scenes really, um, and that's you know, and he's fundamentally the lead lead character in in the whole whole story. So, yeah, and it's you know, it is a film where largely, if not all, the most of the characters aren't necessarily likable, and I think for that to work, you need the lead character to. To, to have a real charisma to make yeah. you want to spend time and and like you said I think he was you know uh, he, he was just mesmerizing at times just um, so so good particularly so early in his career and you know just you uh, think he was the glue that held the whole film together particularly because it's not 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 much of a standard plot either so no uh, just a fantastic performance what about yourself Carl well it's good. it's it's like a the, the character of Renton, um, you McGregor aside, it, it, it's all about moral ambiguity, isn't it? Because um, he's not a nice man. He's just not. And he, obviously, he's, he's a heroin addict and a thief, and um, and uh, you know, rather not the most pleasant of characteristics in there. But he's very, very likable at the same time. Yeah. Um, he's nothing as bad as Sick Boy or Begbie. Um, he's not quite as sad as Spud. He's a lot more savvy than the other, the, the rest of them. But he, he's more intelligent because he wants to get out. He just, which is obviously with the end of the film. But there's one scene from Ewan McGregor, just just one line, pretty two lines, pretty much. Where, um, sorry, Joe, can I say we're allowed to swear on this, aren't we? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Just as well yeah. if I quote it, forgot <laughs> it. We've got no chance otherwise. Um, the bit, it's the scene which I think just sums up that his performance is so good. Is when after Tommy's funeral, when they're in the house. And they're saying, uh, and, and Sick Boy's talking about how he's got, uh, you know, Mikey Forrester and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the, the two kilos of skag and he's down. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just the way he rented the it's just because he, he's a little bit more morally tuned than the others. He says, um, he says, whoa, 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 we've just come back from Tommy's funeral. And you're talking about a skag deal. And Begbie beautifully just opens his arms and goes, aye. As if there's no problem with that. Then he just looks across at Sick Boy and goes, what was your price? I just love that. I think that just sums it up perfectly. You know, I'm better than you. I'm far morally perfect, but better than all of you. But if there's a deal to be had, then you know, I'm listening. Um, and that's not an easy play, role to play, really. Um, and I saw something with Danny Boyle the other night where he, where he said, um, you McGregor went to see him and said, like, you know, I just don't know how to play this because everyone is so big in this film. Um, and I'm not really. And Danny Boyle said, just do that then. You're the straight man everything revolves around you and you're watching it because you're a bit lost with it all um, while trying to make out that you're in control of everything and you're just not. Um, and, he do, and he's right, there, there are so many huge performances in this film. Obviously, Robert Carlyle's the biggest one, but um, mm-hmm. it's just such a difficult role to play in and it, he's, he's faultless in it. He's absolutely faultless. And I didn't really like Ian McGregor at the time because I hated, not him, I hated his character in Shallow Grave mm-hmm. just because he's so... Is it Alex? I think his name is. God, he's so Ponzi. And um, so I love the film. And so I wasn't really that bothered about him. But at the end of it, I thought, well, it's his film. It's clearly his film. Yeah. He's just so good in it. I think he's brilliant in this. I don't, I don't think he's done anything as, as good as this ever. No, no. I say no. this because it's on my telly at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of them as well, though. Even in saying that, it, it's no real reflection on him as a performer anyway, because it just could well be that that is the, you know, you'll probably, he really won't get a better role than that, will he? It's like, you know, it, it's amazing that he got that role so young and obviously was just perfection in it really. So he could do loads of good performances, but he'll probably never 
talk that because I just don't, I don't really see how you could. You, the the you, intensity, it's just the sheer intensity yeah. of what, what he has to do. Totally, yeah. totally. And it's the right role. It's always with actors. It's always a case of, it can be, it's the perfect storm, really. It's the right role at the right age with the right director, you know, and the right script. And, and that's the thing. It doesn't, you don't know when that's going to come as an actor. But I think with Ewan McGregor, because of his kind of thrust into A-list celebrity and Hollywood lifestyle and stuff, he, I mean, he was nervous doing Train Spotting 2 because he, he already couldn't get his accent back. I mean, that tells you everything about where he's come from and where he's gone to. And he wouldn't be the first actor to do that. But yeah, I, I just, he's got, he's got some brilliant lines in this, but it is all about his energy. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the scene, and, and we'll probably talk about memorable scenes, but the scene where he's trying to get clean is just, yeah, it's just intense. And, and he plays, he plays all the scenes just impeccably, really. Yeah. Well, it's a fraught film, isn't it? I think that everyone's fraught in every single minute of this film. They never get any peace. No, they don't. No, even they even, really even don't. the scene where Tommy takes them out to the you know the countryside, they're they're too nervous because it's too peaceful, well, and they have that, to get back back have so, to get back into it to Leith as soon as possible. Isn't and that back what some people say? Something like it's not natural. It's not natural, <laughs> Tommy. Yeah, it actually is natural. I know Lizzie's it's... giving you a hard time, but come on, there's no need to do this. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, as natural as you can get, but your eyes just—it's brilliant that scene though, because they all look so uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Tommy's the only one that's ready for this outdoor. Redden's drinking neat vodka. That's how much he can't handle it. <laughs> and yeah, is that his, his famous kind of why it's shite being Scottish yeah. as well? I think yeah. they used to wear the feet. <laughs> they're just wankers feet wankers I love that yeah I, th- yeah, I think but... you've, you've both hit on one of the things that I think makes his performance so good he's got this like painful self-awareness and that means that he's got this self-loathing as well because I think like Carl said a lot of the time what happens which makes him maybe different to say maybe Begbie for instance is he actually is aware what he's doing is wrong but he still does it you know, uh, because he weighs up what he'll get from it and still does it. Whereas, say, sick boy, I think, just does it anyway. It doesn't even enter his head how wrong something is. He just does it. Whereas, you're right, he, he's he's very aware of it and he does it anyway. And I think that's a very hard thing to pull off. And he was just, you know... Well, it, he does it with Diane, doesn't he? Because he's disgusted about, you know, the fact that Diane's duped him. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing, well, the next time you see is when she knocks on his door. And he just takes it to bed straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know this is bad, but it, there it is. It's knocked on my door. I might as well carry on. Yeah, yeah no, that that you're right. That's exactly what he does throughout the film. Yeah, and obviously we're just mentioning uh, Sick Boy. What about uh, the character and Johnny Lee Miller's performance, Carl? Well, he's the only non-Scott mm-hmm. in the film, and you can't tell. Well, I can't anyway. I'm I sure can't. that people, people not of the board, will recognise that straight away. But he's, he, again, just absolutely phenomenal. Because he's just, they all are, I know, but he is particularly revolting. Because Begbie is just violently revolting, but um, Sick Boy's just, there's, there is not one single redeeming feature to him other than his knowledge of Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and his impression. That's yeah, how he Sean got Connery. the gig. That's how he got the part, apparently. Oh, one of the reasons really? he got Just the part. Really? Just because he was so yeah. disgusted. Well, no, because it's his Sean Connery impressions. Cause he, oh, okay. Oh, apparently that was a big part of the film. And and they made them all do them, and he, he basically... Oh, oh I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether you know this. I only found this out recently, and I was well, I was, I was well shocked that I'd never heard it before. 
his dad is Bernard Lee, who was yeah. in the Bond films. I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. And so his dad was him in the Bond films, and he's playing a role where it's all about Bond and Connery and just... I love bits of trivia like that, particularly ones that take me on the ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read that yesterday as well. <laughs> yeah, what what a, what a weird quirk of fate that is. Um, it's mad. It's mad. What 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 are your thoughts on the performance, Rory? Nah, he's he's just a bastard, isn't he? And and yeah. I think that's he's he's with a smile. Yeah, he's a bastard with a with, with a bit of you know. He's got a bit of charisma. He knows he knows what he wants from life, but it's. It's not to get very far or do much. It's just to make a bit of money here and there. And he's the one that's interesting with the drug habit. Obviously, Beggy doesn't have it, and he does. But he seems to be the one in control of it, which is yeah. you know, whereas Renton clearly isn't, and um, for a long period of the film anyway. And it's it's quite interesting because he, yeah, he's just he's just different, and and that is it's obviously his bleached blonde hair, and he stands out in the scenes and. Um, yeah, I think his performance is really good. As you said, as an actor, I think he's gone on to do certain things, more TV than, than film. But yeah, I mean, Robert Carlyle's probably the only one that might have other films that that might topple this in terms of his performance. But again, he's Johnny Lee Miller's just great in this. Well, Renton even says about Sick Boy, which is um, that uh, even though he didn't want to give up smack, he just decided to just to annoy him. Bastard, don't you think? I love that. Just, just, just to prove himself morally superior again. And I think that's because the second film is about their relationship more than anyone else between Renton and Sick Boy. I know we're going to talk about the second film later on, but um, I haven't haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay, we won't then. No, no, no no spoilers, but we can we can definitely touch on where walk around it. But um, yeah, I think that sort of what you just said. This sort of is a great example of of Sick Boy as a character. He's got that smugness. Other than obviously when he finally does, you know, meet with tragedy. I think before that, he struck me as one of those people where just everything tends to go for him. You know, he he always gets the girls. He doesn't get caught by the police. He, you know, when Begbie goes off, it was never going to be Sick Boy who gets gets stabbed by him or hit by him. He's just there's a little, there's a little smirk when, when yeah. Begbie says something stupid, isn't it? Yeah, that, that yeah, and we know when when they're in the pub after Spud goes to jail, and they and um and they're giving their their own little speeches to Renton about how he should stay off the smack and stuff. He just sits in the background and says, "Come on, Mark, choose life." And the oh. little smile he gives in a sort yeah. of like you know, you know what that means, and you know I'm having a dig at you about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I can stop whenever I want. And but and, just... but the big thing about it is what Tommy says early on. He says, "But you know, he's a mate, so you have got to stick with him." Yeah, there's, there's, there's no possible way Renton's going to like decide not. Well, no, obviously he does at the end of the film, but the, you know he's going to think, you know, actually these people aren't very nice. So I'm going to go away now. I don't, I don't it takes him a lot to abandon them, doesn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean, because he he toys with the idea so often, but yeah, he does all. He says it in the film a lot that these are my mates. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, no matter what, you kind of stick by your mates. And yeah, it, he's got some kind of well, really fucked up moral comp- compass. But you know, yeah. it's yeah, it is. Truth be told, is is a is a friendship film, isn't it? Above all, yeah, else, yeah. So. yeah. And 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 about like he's both said about the sort of you know, the trials of friendship, you know, sometimes you will let each other down. Obviously, these let each other down on a massive scale. And, <laughs> as you know, often as they know, possibly can. You know, yeah, you know, and so, so it's like a, 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 almost what you will let slide, you know, and I think if, if anyone sells my telly, that's it. 
You sell my town. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to come to that later on that scene because <laughs> there's just something about that scene which I love so much. But in the in the telly scene in London, it's he's so outraged that Brenton's annoyed with him for selling his telly. I've got a good price for it. <laughs> like, shouldn't have bothered. I love that so much. And at least we at least we got fish suppers. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Oh. And then he licks his fish. Oh, <laughs> literally oh. takes the food off his plate. Well, but them little moments, they're like genius, aren't they? Because it tells you so much about the characters, you know. Renton's reaction, and as you say, the fact that even after he's done that to him, he just takes his fish, because that's just what sick boy yeah. does, and that's how he acts. I've no, done that. Fantastic. Actually, while, while we're there, can I just talk? I know, I know we're going slightly off, slightly off there, but this, this, just about, so we don't have to go back to it, just my favourite Begbie moment in the entire film is in that scene, when they're sitting there. And if you remember, Begbie doesn't say a word in that scene. He's just mm-hmm. eating his chips and he's just looking, looking at them while they're talking. And he's not—he's nice, Begby. He's, you know, he's quite benign. He's not bothering anyone at all. You cannot take your eyes off him. Oh. It's just like obviously he sees no problem with what's like what Sick Boy's done at all. No problem at all. And um, he also sees no problem with why no, he's not really bothered about Renton's the fact that he's been ripped off by his mates and you know the fact that what they're doing to <laughs> Renton in London. But he just looks brilliant. I can't. I can't. You have to watch that scene. Honestly, yeah. it's just the way he's dancing between the two, and then going back to his chips again. And it's sort of, this is life. This is normal. He's not angry. He's just perfectly placid. Oh no! I, I, I don't like know how he does it. Just it's really it. strange. It's, oh, just just fantastic, isn't he? And I love all those little moments. My favourite uh, Begbie moments, or one of them, is where he's like, because he's always angry no matter what. And everything. Yeah. Like like us, like us all, we all have a story we tell. But Begbie's is always outlandish, and I love that bit where like. He's angry at the idea that the, it's called armed robbery, even though it was only a rapture. <laughs> <laughs> While putting a gun in his best mate's face. <laughs> oh, just just so 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 good. Um, obviously, you've you've touched on his performance there. Obviously, we were about to talk a bit more about that. So, have you got anything else to add, Carl? Before we ask Rory for his thoughts on Begbie and on Begbie, every single line is is a, is a line of comic or malicious genius. Absolutely everything in there is just so good. It's a good job we can swear because my favourite. Um, and sorry if it, no one likes the word, but it's that word, so I get used to it. It's coming. Um, when Spud go, uh, gets sent to jail, and Renton says on the voiceover, Begby had a word for it, and it just cuts to him, and he says, "It's fucking obvious that cunt was going to fuck some cunt." That's fantastic. There's not enough swearing in that sentence, so he just crams enough in as possible. And again, in that scene where basically where where is um, where Mrs. Murphy, Spud's mum, comes into the pub and he just says, you know, you know, that's your, it's your fault that he's a junkie, etc. Because it's the worst thing he can possibly do. She's, the woman's had a bad day. Yeah. And just as he sits down, he says, I was the cunt who tried to get him off it. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you threatened to cut him a few times. If he didn't, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah. One, one more thing it really needs to say, and, and again, it does stretch into the second film, his clothes are fantastic. <laughs> he's got the worst clothes ever seen the slassinger jumpers always with the white socks and loafers very tight yeah very very tight stay pressed stay pressed farrah he, he just looks brilliant and he, he's the only one with a tash <laughs> he's got um, a cracking tash he looks, he looks like he looks like no he does not like you know i've said spud's a terribly dressed character and, and you know renson's an absolute mess and stuff but sick boy wears a suit just to show that he's better than everyone else but Pegby just looks dresses like no one else in the film. No one at all in, in any, not, not even outside their circle. I think what I like about him is he, 
he's 10 years well I don't know if he is but he, he's 10 years older than everyone else as well but no, they so went he's... to school together in the, in the book oh the, did the, they the, okay. yeah they're talking and being at school together in <laughs> well, the second film they, they say Begbie and Renton were at primary school together Okay, well, there you go, because it doesn't feel like that, obviously, with Carlisle probably being <laughs> slightly senior yeah, than the other. Yeah, older, you know, and it did, I liked, well, it came across that way in the film kind of format, is that I liked the fact he felt like he kind of, he always tried to side with um, Renton's parents, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? He always tried <laughs> yeah. to take the kind of moral high ground, like he was above it all. And he's just, he's, he's the worst one by an absolute mile of it. Yeah. Listen, listen to Francis, he's talking sense, Ken. Yeah, I love, love that. that. Yeah, I love the scene. <laughs> I, the scene in the pub after he gets off, um, Renton gets off and, and Spud goes down is, is a really good scene. It's kind of, it's kind of, it feels like it's midway through the film and it's quite a poignant. It's, it's a big change in direction in that scene. Um, but yeah, I think Carlisle is just, he's just genius and he's so unhinged and he's so, dangerous at all times do you know what I mean because he's just oh, so yeah. unpredictable with what he's going to do and he's obviously always wanting to start a fight um, <laughs> obviously start oh, 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 that, the, you know sorry I was going to say oh, uh, even though there's another line he says which, which I've, I heard the other day which I forgot yeah. all about the, the famous bit where he throws the glass over his shoulder in the pub because um, oh. well, he, he's telling the story about Tommy and um, what uh, the last uh, he got glass no yeah yeah and well, he's, t- he's, t- he's actually telling a story about how, how um, some hard bloke went up to him when he's playing snooker when he's given Tommy the, oh. the plan of a lifestyle, and Tommy says later, "That's bollocks." That story, um, and just but when this bloke comes in, he goes, "Now you know me. I don't go looking for trouble with anyone." <laughs> <laughs> that is literally all you do. That's I do, I do life. when they re- replay that scene when he's, he t- you know, he skews the cue right through the table, yeah, and uh, he completely <laughs> loses his shot. Yeah, Isn't the lad having a pack of crisps or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah with a pack of oh. oh, well, they, they said he's hung over, he can barely hold the cue. And it goes to, um, it cuts to him like sitting on, sitting on his own in like a sort of, uh, on like a velvet sort of couch type thing. And he looks the most hung over that any actor has ever been in any film ever. <laughs> he's got his legs crossed, oh. like he's wincing at the, at the, I think his own breath makes him wince. You could just tell that it's a fantastic hangover look he's got. It's just I think, really itchy and like twitchy. Yeah, he's, I think the other scene that is quite is when he 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 has his big winnings on that horse at Doncaster. Bad boy. And, <laughs> yeah, and they go out go out on the town, and he, he ends up with the the man in the in the back yeah. of the car. Because um, he's I don't know if it's it's I haven't read the book for many years. I read it years ago, but is it kind of known that he's he's closet? Um, homosexual or is it is it never really talked about because i think that's what they have implied but he's obviously too man enough in his own kind of world to admit well to when it, he, basically i know in the book porno which the second one was based on but the film yeah. isn't actually all about that i know that it, it's renting and sends him gay porn in, in prison <laughs> <laughs> just 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 a little another little dig at him yeah <laughs> um, it's love- just it's just genius carlisle's just, oh, oh, it's just yeah. genius isn't it is and to to get that sort of to be able to get that level of threat and fear, but still be so funny is just it is as you say it's genius and I love the constant like like illustrated in that pool scene. I love that you get uh, I know everyone does it to some extent, but you get this real impression of the. 
the narrative he tells himself about his own life and even just bits like where he says he was playing like Paul Newman and it's just (laughs) 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 you see what he was really like oh yeah just so, so, so good. Obviously, I, he's the kind of guy that you probably think he looks in the mirror and sees a completely different man. Oh, Do you know what I mean? He, you know, wearing his jackets, he probably thinks he looks like a a great kind of superstar. And you know what he looks like <laughs> in, in the book. He says he loves Rod Stewart. Absolutely <laughs> loves Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant! We haven't talked yet much about Spud and you and Bremner's performance. What were your thoughts on on, on that, Rory? I, I think he's he plays stupid incredibly well. <laughs> it's it's the the best way to put it, really, because he he's got some you know he he's got some pretty important scenes in in the grand scheme of things. He, he's he's an important character in lots of regards, but. I don't know. He's the one that I find he's there for comedy value. It feels like, I mean, there's that God awful scene when he wakes up in the morning, um, after being on a night out and goes to have his, his fry up and the sheets and, and that oh. scene. It's just disgusting. Um, and he has, he has many a scene, but uh, to be honest, the funniest part of the film to me is still during the deal when he's wearing those sunglasses. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I <laughs> just, He's just stood awkwardly, kind of leaning in the corner of the room, trying to look like he's the he's he's the real part, you know. And yeah, I'm kind of glad at the end he gets his his money and his his kind of, you know, he doesn't he knows he kind of does the right thing in the end, you know, it, with with Renton. He he, know, he knows to keep his mouth shut when he's he's kind of taken off with the cash. And yeah, it's he's he's got an important part in the film. Um, and yeah, I think he'll again. I haven't seen the second film. I'd be quite intrigued where they take it with him because yeah, limited, limited storyline in the first in terms of him because there wasn't much. You don't know much about. Him, do you know what I mean? He's not no. one of characters they develop a lot. No. There's not much to go on. But or he's he's an interesting character. He's an important part of the group. And yeah, I think most people that had a a group of mates at school, you know, there's maybe always there was always a spud knocking about school. Because he's delicate, isn't he? Yeah. He's like the, I'd say he's like the the heart or the innocence of that group, yeah. isn't he? You know, obviously he does bad things as well, but there, there is a, a a niceness to him and a gentleness. Like we where they're talking about what they're gonna do with the money, and he's like, you know, I think he says I'm gonna get me more presents, or yeah. or I'd like to tra- take. Which sick boy laughs at really stupidly. Yeah, then Begbie, you know, says, "Are you gonna waste your money?" Yeah, <laughs> or something give like it to that. Me. And, and like when obviously in the pub after Tommy's death or after Tommy's funeral, oh, I think he's, little boys. He, yeah, and it, 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 he, he's got that softness in there, and I think that's obviously what what Renton sees in him, and that's why Renton has more compassion for him yeah. than the others. I, I think he does well to bring that sort of half through, as Rory said, without you know a hell of a lot of screen time compared to the others. What about you yourself, Carl? And yeah, Peg Beasley's mate. That's the strangest it's, thing, just because they all went to school together, and you know, Begbie's his mate, and um, it's crazy, isn't it? Even Begbie's not. I know, actually, Begbie, Begbie accidentally stabbed, doesn't he? But um, when when the, when he, the muggle bloke in the toilets in the pub, but oh no, later on, sorry, he accidentally stabbed yeah, him. But he, oh, in the yeah, in the pub in London, sorry, in the pub. Um, yeah. You can't talk about Spud without talking about the job interview, oh. which is which is his. That's his scene where basically <laughs> yeah, just yeah, thinks, you, you and Remner just says, right, I'm, I'm, this is just me going as big as possible. 
on this, and uh, I, I still love the likes. I, I use it all the time. I like, um, no, you're the man, the dude, the, the the dude in the chair. I am merely here. <laughs> That's fantastic. And the fact that he leans over and kisses the woman's cheek at the interview, <laughs> leaps across the table. Then he does some sort of bizarre sign language thing to the third bloke, he's only, which I can't begin to understand. Um, I, I love that bit at the start of it where, where they ask him the question and he just turns his head directly <laughs> towards the, the wall and then as if like before he well, gets what, what, what he's ready to go. Industry, he just oh. stares at the wall and sort of, come on, something's going to come. <laughs> Pleasure in other people's leisure. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. I've got a good oh, feeling about this interview though. It's going well, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's just the interview is, it's his, his crowning moment, I it guess, is. isn't it? You know? And it's the is. only time as well when, when he's in the pub with Renton before I'm talking about it when they take the speed. Um, <laughs> it's the only time that Spuds ever says the word cat boy. Which is pretty uh, much a catchphrase because everything's cat related in in, in the book. Like say cat boy, everyone's cat boy, and uh, he, he, he describes Begbie in his own monologue in the book as a bad kitty. Everything's feline <laughs> to him. He's not wrong because cats are great. <laughs> oh, that's the way no. he looks at it. I'll, I'll definitely have to read the book again. I forgot so much of it, so uh, I think this will inspire me to get reading it again. Oh, good. Obviously, there's a there's. There's so many memorable characters. Obviously, we've touched on a few of them. Is there anybody we haven't touched on who, who you'd like to discuss at all, Carl? Probably because because he's good, and as, as Renson says, um, he never tells lies. That's his weakness. Yeah, which which yeah, I think just sums, sums up that group perfectly well. And yeah. you know, he's he's a nice bloke. Renton basically, obviously, costs him his girlfriend with the videotape thing. Then he sells him his first, you know, rap or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he just just dies. In a really, really sad story, and and again in the book. So I keep going about the book all the time, but he's like the big success out of all of them. He's going places, you know. He looks after himself, and he's just dead into music and stuff, and plays football a lot. And then he's just he's something like dead in six months or something yeah, because of you know li- literally because of his friends as much as anything else. Yeah, such a tragic story, wasn't it? Seeing as you say, obviously it doesn't come across as much in the film, but he he, he he's clearly you know. He, he doesn't obviously. He's clearly not on the drugs like they are, and he's you know he can appreciate you know the countryside and things are sort of locked into their 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 own little world as they are. And he loves his girlfriend. He actually yeah, he loves, loves his, his girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And the others are just and, sort of you know whatever's next. I'll just take whatever's coming. Yeah, and as you say, it, it's so sad that you know one of his closest friends sets him off on that that journey to his you know his ultimate destruction. Yeah. And, you know, no, and, and a really good performance. I think it's Kevin McKidd, isn't it? Kevin McKidd, yeah. yeah. And if anyone hasn't so seen good. Small Faces with Kevin McKidd, try and watch it as soon as possible because he's brilliant in that as well. Oh, love him in Rome. I'll get, I'll get Small Faces yep. watched out because um, he's just, he's, he's so good. What about yourself, Rory? Is there any other characters or performance you'd like to mention at all? I think Renton's parents deserve a, a shout. Oh. Um, I just think. I don't know, for sticking with their son despite the addiction in the way they do. And I mean, you know, you'd think a lot of parents would do that, but they've been pretty patient. And then ultimately they're the ones that, that help him kind of kick the habit, although he does go back a couple of times after that. But um, yeah, I think I think they're quite important throughout. They, you know, they, I don't know, you know, established actors again. I can't remember what the, the dad's name is, yeah, but he's been in... He's been in a lot of films, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's been in an awful lot of films. He's in Braveheart, um, isn't he? 
Is, yeah, isn't he yes. one, of the, one of the the tall bloke in Britain? You know, he's one of the dad. Club. He must be the he's, dad in it. I, I think, think he's Brendan yeah. Gleeson's dad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, Kelly McDonald as well. Um, oh, so good. Yeah, I just thought, just thought she was genius. I mean, it, it was. It was kind of subtle thing to, to, to make her a schoolgirl, but it, it had quite prominent kind of messages, you know, with, with the fact that she was trying to almost blackmail him. But I know she's obviously in the second film, and, um, yeah, I thought she, you know, I'm not sure if she's gone on to do a lot, but I kind of had high hopes for her. I think they did, from her performance, you Gosford know, as an Park actress. is in that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's in that, No yeah. Country for Old Men, isn't she? she is, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Um, so she's had... Yeah, she's she's had a fairly steady career in fairness, but um yeah, no, I, I genuinely liked her in this. I thought she was yeah, it's quite surprising really. And she was she was different. She stood out, obviously she was made to stand out the way they shot the scene in the club, but um yeah, she was different, you know, and I thought she yeah, she was important character to the film again, you know, which they all are. I think that's the thing about the film. There's no one that felt like they didn't belong. You know, there's often films where you kind of think you could take it or leave it with certain yeah. characters, but everyone kind of had the right amount of screen time and the right amount of... Well, she sees them as old, old men, doesn't she? She said, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're getting old. You know, you know, yeah. drugs are changing, music's changing. And, yeah. you know, she finds them fascinating, but, you know, they're not real. They're not, they're not her generation. No, she's, and you she's, kind she's of feel that... Than they are. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. And you feel that with the kind of music and the development, because when he goes down to London, it's kind of, it's gone from, you know, it's gone from the kind of Iggy Pop all the way through to kind of Underworld, and it's changed yeah. its dynamics a little bit. And yeah, I saw she was kind of the, again, she was kind of the starting point of a, a change in the film. And the film's very clever, the way it's shot. It does feel like you could dissect it into certain parts. And, yeah. and you know, yeah, she's always quite prominent in, in when she's been in scenes in it, yeah. Well, Ziggy Pop, it doesn't matter, oh, he's dead anyway. Yeah. I was furious with that, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Iggy Pop live a few times as well. And, uh, I was furious yeah. with that. I, I, I he's still going strong, Iggy Pop. He's, I yeah. mean, he looks like he's 126, but he's I saw still... him in, I saw him about three years ago, and I think he was yeah, 64. Well, he... Shirt off, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah. he's got more energy than any of us, really, yeah. hasn't he? So, yeah. yeah, he looked good. Yeah. I think another character, actually, is it's not a character per se, it's a slightly poncy, but one of the major characters is heroin. And, well, uh, yeah. Because, um, I know, Joe, we were talking about this before, but um, when it, when the film came out, there was there was an argument, mostly from people who hadn't seen the film, saying that, you know, oh, it's just glamorising drug taking and stuff like that, and you could tell they hadn't seen the film because the film does absolutely nothing but. There's the, there's the bit at the beginning where, where they say, you know, um, uh, you know, one people don't talk about is just how good it makes you feel. Uh, you know, we're stupid, we're not, you know, we're not African stupid, of course, you know, it makes you feel great and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole film, the, the Tommy obviously is the obvious example of that. It's just about how it ruins people's lives, and um, and that really struck a chord with me. I'm, I'm from, uh, I lived in Croxteth in the 80s, and, um, which was, there was famous graffiti in Liverpool, which said, um, in Toxteth saying, oh, you know, we, you know, we, we, smoke weed up here. Um, this is Toxteth, not Croxteth. And, it, and it's, it's a huge part of the film. And it's a huge part of the way, the fact that they, they try and get out of it by dealing in heroin. You know, their, their big one-off deal in London is a heroin deal. So it's, even though people like Begbie are fervently against it, he will ha- quite happily stand there and watch Rent and test the drugs out. Because that's the way they get out. That's the warm deal, you know, they can get out of, you know, get out of living in Leith or whatever. Yeah, it's like their solution for everything, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, either escapism from, you know, the drudgery of that world that they don't like or at least don't want to be a part of. Yeah. But as you say, the their way of getting getting their way out of that to being, you know, choosing life but being more successful or whatever. No. Yeah. Gr- gr- great points. What what do you think about that the whole glamorising drugs question, Rory? Yeah, I mean yeah, I just agree with Carl really on that. It doesn't glamorise anything because it just shows the pure desperation and disbelief and what it does to destruction of people, you know? So I think anyone that it's a little bit like violence in video games and everyone that says, you know, there's a lot of things that would do that without the people have actually seen it. You know, it was always the case that Grand Theft Auto, for instance, is, you know, highly publicized that it is split opinion. And and there was a lot of people that were in uproar about it, but none of them had actually played it. So it's, it's one of those things. It's, um, I'd say that the thing with the, the drug use and stuff, obviously the way they shot it is, is part of what makes the film really, because I mean, the, the scenes when they're on drugs is, is, is where Danny Boyle kind of comes to life a little bit. Um, cause he's, his direction and, and what he does with it, the characters and, you know, rent kind of, you know, going into the floor in that stage. And I know we'll talk about the toilet. Um, and yeah, we haven't talked about the toilet. No, the toilet will be talked about. Um, <laughs> it's but, coming. But you know, even the kind of the close-up scenes of when they're, you know, it's on the spoon and and you know they're melting it and it's in the syringe and it's it's very well, it's very Danny Boyle. It's what you come to kind of expect from him, but um, it, it feels real. Do you know what I mean? That's when you watch yeah. this film. That's the thing about it. And I think he had a um, a prosthetic arm they built for the injection scene. Um, which is quite so they wanted to make it look as real as possible do you know what I mean they, they yeah. didn't want it to and it does feel like that you know I think when you watch a film and, and I watched it yesterday again it still feels like you're watching people who are legitimately on heroin and taking drugs and and, and yeah that's it's quite amazing that they got that across um, that kind of realism of, of what happens you know it's, it's the girl speech in um, in the Mother Superior's house isn't it where you know um where sick boy's just staring at her, and she's like, you know, she, you know, she's got the ecstasy going, literally, the literal ecstasy rather than the drug, but um, just going through a mind, going through a brain, it's just something like that. That beats any cock in the world and stuff. Yeah, and like I said, sick boy's just staring at her, and it's it's a really brave thing to sort of like you say, you know, they're doing it because of that, those seconds when you know when when they when they get the rush from it, mm-hmm. and um, and then the rest of the film is about the the decay because of it. Um, and then the, but at the time, no, there were people not making an argument at all. They said, oh, you know, yeah, it's just a, a drug film where drugs are great and stuff. It's not that at all. Yeah, I think I agree with Welsh and Boyle. I think they both said, like, like you both have said, it's sort of... The, the probably, it probably does, just because it's a film, that probably does bring some glamour more than you would already get, and it is stylized to, to sort of, I suppose, to try and give people some idea... Of yeah, what, what it's like for these people, but as you both have said, the toll it takes on on all their lives and the people yeah. around them. You know, I don't see how you can come out of that, that film and think that is a glamorous lifestyle. I, I just don't see that at all. It, it it just it shows you the reality that obviously there is something good that that attracts them. Not good. That's maybe the wrong way, but something they enjoy. 
but look at the toll it takes and you know there's no comparison is there you know it's just so destructive and yeah if know. i ever want to put my son off taking drugs i'll make him watch train spotting let's yeah, put it that way i think that's some summed up perfectly there it really is obviously we both we well all three of us have mentioned that um the worst toilets in Scotland. Uh, oh. What are your thoughts on that scene, Carl? I'm sure I've seen worse toilets, to be honest. Anyone who's been, <laughs> anyone who's been through a festival oh, will, yeah. will, will, will have seen worse toilets than that, but um, mostly because of the smell as much as anything else. Um, it's just great. For a start, it's got Mikey Forrester in it. Evan Welsh is Mikey Forrester. It starts off with that. Yeah. Ideal for your purposes. And... Uh, um, by the way, before, before I should say, um, yesterday when we talk about this pod on Twitter, um, I, I tweeted Evan Welsh to say that you know we're going to, we're doing this podcast and we apologise if any of us try the accent, <laughs> and he liked the tweet. Oh, that was oh, God, God bless the man for that. Oh, that was um, with that. So I was, I was really pleased that Mikey. I love I love Mikey Forrester so much because he just looks so nervous, and you can tell he's not an actor, obviously. Um, <laughs> but. It's the greatest act of constipation in the middle of a street, followed by the exact opposite of constipation, where he's just walking past the flats, and he just suddenly goes, Ugh! and he just like bends over, and then you know, with you know his nose touching his knees in absolute agony, the stomach cramps and stuff. And uh, it's, I can't think of another example, but is, is it the, the 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 greatest crap ever taken in film history? I think it's got to be, hasn't it? It's the fact that he's laughing; he's enjoying it that much. He's <laughs> 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 that's the highlight for me and obviously you know the big thing is obviously you know like he dives in and like because he, he's pristine water with two enormous big suppository tablets there and stuff but um yeah it's, it's just be- beautifully grim isn't it it's just really really funny oh no uh, what, what about yourself rory what are your thoughts on that scene i just i think i was i always love how how shockingly disgusting it is because obviously the the place he's going into is a bit rough and ready but it's nowhere near as bad as the state of the toilet and then when he opens that door and it's just like it doesn't matter do you know what I mean he's you know he doesn't care but obviously you can almost smell it when you see yeah. in that scene you know it's one of those scenes oh. that just it sticks in your head and, and that kind of visual you know there's not many films that have portrayed things quite that well in terms of vision. The way he retches as well when he when he puts his hand down oh, for the first time. That really gets me that bit. Yeah. Yeah. When his hand goes down the first time, that, yeah. that is that is a hard, hard thing to watch. And it's not the, <laughs> the worst part. There's, there's other films that make you squeamish in this film or, or make you um, wince. But yeah, that, that scene is just, yeah, it's, 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 it's still incredibly done. You know, it's still, it's, yeah. it's oh, genius yeah. really, but, um, but it's shocking at the same time. Yeah. It, it, it's so good to go from that, as you say, the worst toilets in Scotland. And you'd always wondering, what did it really look like? Is this, you know, because obviously it's not always true. It's how his perspective is giving you, you know, these different places. Does it really look as bad as that? You know, what what was the real toilet like? Or is that a true representation of it? And then obviously it goes from that to that, as you say, that that beautiful clear water with like yeah. mines in and stuff. And yeah. That, I don't normally like stuff like that, to be honest. I'm not a big fan of... The surreal stuff. Surreal stuff, but it just works so well in the film, yeah. and, you know, just just great. Just just a fantastic stuff. I like the fact also that when he walks in, the people in the betting, in the betting shop um, look at him as if he's some sort of... He's, he's somehow beneath all that. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> what I liked. Yeah. Oh, just, just, just so good. Now we're going to look at the the, the infamous Barbara we talked about a little, or we touched on earlier on. What are your thoughts on on this scene, Rory? Which is it? The second brawl? Oh, sorry, the one where he launches the pint. It's oh, really oh, okay. more, more Begbie fun, really. really yeah, this just, it just—it's just Begbie having fun, essentially. That is—that yeah. is what I describe as a, as a Friday night with Begbie. Essentially, is, is a bar brawl at one <laughs> stage or another. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I like that. I like it. Sums up Begbie essentially. Yeah. He's always looking for a fight, and you do think he's. I mean. I don't know how how tall or short Robert Carlyle is, but he would pick a fight with anyone. Do you know what oh, I mean? And, totally. and you just get that impression that he actually wants to pick the tallest guy in the bar um, and celebrate he it because he shouts yeah. yes when the bloke argues with him. He does, oh. yeah, and he's just so ready to to pick a fight that he'll do it no matter what. And yeah, it's just yeah, it it it's great. I mean, Robert Carlyle is is just perfect in in that role. He he. He really does epitomise Begbie, and I just I thought a few times about what he'd be like offset because I don't know how I don't think he's a method actor as such, but I just wonder what he'd be like, you know, when yeah. you when you're offset when he's 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 rehearsing his lines or if he's <laughs> if he remained in character at any point because I'd just love to see him in in normal everyday circumstance in that character. I think it's just genius. I was thinking before would, would you would you have one pint with Begbie? Oh, oh, only a half. Have two. Maybe a bottle. No, not no, not bottles. Bottles are the last thing you want. Uh, oh. Well, it's one of them. Plastic glasses. A plastic glass, yeah. Oh. And, and somewhere <laughs> where you can get out. Well, here's one for you, because I, I always wonder about this. He's, he's that mad, Begbie. Part of me even wonders if he realises that it's him who's caused that fight. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever met someone like that where they can... It's like he's almost. It's like he's almost schizophrenic at times. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he does have a sense that he isn't. He isn't always in his mind what what's happened. You know. Well, you get the feeling he thinks he's genuinely a hero down there at the same time <laughs> as Avon Cole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know. <laughs> that last he got glassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he could out. just genuinely be knowing exactly what he's done and just that's what he wants to say. Well, but in he, in the in the book, his, his brothers are worse than him. Oh my word! <laughs> which is which is now. which is a statement and a half. I know. Um, oh. so, for me, in that scene, obviously it's very very funny, but it's it's the fact that the funniest thing about it is if you watch it again, because it's only a very minor thing. When he throws the glass and he hears the scream, he takes his knife out of his pocket because he doesn't need it, so he puts it on the <laughs> table. And as he stands up, he rubs his hands together in a sort of right. Here we go. Let's just go down and start a riot. Time for work. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> oh. And Red even says sometimes you just got to sit back and watch. Yeah, and I love the fact that he just basically all this place just sit up and just in the gallery and just watch him. Yeah, they're not the types that are going to go and wade in because he basically does this whenever they go out. It's the impression yeah. you get. You know, they're never going to you know follow him into battle as such. You know? Yeah, <laughs> he could end up collateral damage with him. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he doesn't care to be a you either, as we see later on with Spud. Yeah. Obviously, I'm aware of the time, so I'm just going to you know look at a couple more scenes and then just get your final thoughts, really. But the the, the next scene I'm going to look at, obviously, if we miss any, there'll be a chance to, to bring up any that you would have liked to have covered at the, the end. But the next one, obviously, this is the you know the probably the most uh, hard scene to watch in the film, the the tragic death of Baby Dawn. Um, 
what what are your thoughts on that scene, Carl? Uh, it, it's where Sick Boy becomes human, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Renton says, "Oh, you know, I think we can work out, you know, who the father was based on that." Yeah. Uh, um and um and again the, the later books were is the name Ali I think the um the yeah, the, the, so. the woman in it um the, the, she she becomes a recurring character in his books after that yeah it's 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 just the worst possible thing that can possibly happen and yeah. you know it's coming just because they just it, it gives the kids so much camera time beforehand you just know that that tragedy is going to happen at some point True. and um and yeah and again and again when people say you know it glamorizes heroin and stuff like that watch that scene. Sure. That's the whole point of it, you know. The, the, the kid died because of heroin. It's as simple as that, because they were all the, they were all you know out of it. What about yourself, Rory? Yeah, I, I mean, I to this day still find it incredibly difficult to watch at times. Any kind of scenes that that portray, you know, I don't know. It's probably since I've had kids as well. It changes your perspective a little bit, but. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really hard scene to watch. And I think that kind of scream when she has that piercing scream and, and they they just don't know how to react because they're obviously all high as anything. And, and yeah, you can see that emotion eventually ride through the, the drugs. And yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough scene to watch. Well, what he even says, don't, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. When it, when yeah. When coming around, that's the first thing he says. Yeah, exactly. Um it's yeah, and I think does Renton say why is everyone screaming or is that what Spuds? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just it just they don't understand it. Yeah, the, the scenes with the baby did you, you felt like something was coming, but yeah, they did give it a lot of screen time when it died in that sense. You know that it did pan on to that shot, yeah, and and it was quite brave in that sense that it, it stayed yeah. on the baby for a long time. So yeah, I think when huge you, close up, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and and obviously the the scene when he's coming off the drugs is, it's the baby, you know, comes back Crawling into it. Him, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like that. Well, ceiling. Johnny Lee Miller is is fantastic in that scene, and yeah, um, he is. I like the fact that he just shouts because I think it just sums up there. I should be just shout, he just shouts, say something, Mark, just say oh, something, yeah. just say anything, just say something, as in you know, make me feel better. Yeah, which which I think is what he's trying to say there. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and I think it was incredibly brave for. The writers, directors, you know, and the actor as well, you know, to, to go along with this, that, you know, they didn't try and then paint a, a false, that they, they stayed true to the characters, I suppose. And after that, say something, Mark, he actually says, you know, I'm cooking up or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so he does like, go straight to it. Yeah. It's one of the worst things you could say. And they're not scared of losing the audience or anything like that. They no. know you've been through this horrible, sort of incredibly difficult scene, but they're going to stay true to what them characters would do in that situation. Yeah. And, and I just think that was really brave. Obviously, one of the most iconic scenes is the Renton's overdose. What, what are your thoughts on, on that, Rory? Yeah, I, I touched on that earlier. I think I think it's just genius the way it's shot. Yeah. I, I I just think, and I kind of love the guy, and I've forgotten his name, but who's the guy that is the dealer essentially, or the Wani? Oh, yeah, Wani, yeah. the middle superior. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and he he takes him basically. He drags him outside. <laughs> um, you know, puts him in the taxi with what tenner in his in his top pocket, and and delivers him to to the hospital like that's quite a common occurring theme you know you know he's done that before that, that's yeah, why I got exactly that. Yeah, he's done that yeah. many times before yeah yeah exactly um I just think the way you know is it perfect day that plays at that point yeah, yeah. 
I just think perfect use of the song at that point. I just, you know, I think the the music which we've obviously talked about, the best thing that that happened to the film was that Bowie watched Shallow Grave and loved it so much that he he basically talks his musical colleagues or counterparts into letting Danny Boyle have this music for this film yeah. because you you got to think that Danny Boyle was a, a no one. This was a tiny budget film at the time, and without that kind of support, they wouldn't have got. The soundtrack and, and that that song and, and, and all of the soundtrack just is, is encapsulates the film really and I just thought yeah the song just combined perfectly and the visuals in that scene was just it's just kind of peak Danny Boyle and, and, and Lou Reed was mentioned earlier in the film wasn't he during the the parks yeah 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 that what Lou Reed is actually shite he says <laughs> and they, <laughs> they play perfect right? exactly uh, Lou Reed uh, stuff's no bad but yeah you know it's all right but you know when you think about it it's actually shite and I, I think as well. It, Bowie, Bowie has obviously read the book and, and obviously in the film they actually say about how Bowie's you know past his best yeah. and you know and, and he still loved it so well, I, I love that but he still loved it I think you're right there as well I think Welsh said a lot of the bands aside from the ones you mentioned Rory I yeah. loved the book so it, again like we were saying about all these things fitting together you know, to help it, you know, just just so much magic happened to make this film be so good. Have you got any thoughts on that scene, Carl? It's just, yeah, it, it's his big moment, isn't it? That, that's the big directional thing, you know, the, it, even the, the whole thing, even, you know, when he jumps off the wall outside the pub at, when Spud goes down and um, lands there, right to the, the bit where he, they're making out Swanee's a waiter, which is really funny. You know, um, please put it on my tab. I'm afraid that your, your credit was expired a long time ago, sir. Would you like some garlic bread? You know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, no, I'd like to um, um, proceed straight to the intravenous um, injection of hard drugs. I really like that line. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, the, the way it's, it's mostly about the way he falls through the floor, isn't it? And and right the way up to, you know, he, he lives that it's not just the come down when he, when he goes home again and is locked in his room. It's the fact that he has to live with boring things from now on. And yeah, you know, that's the scene where he sits in the pub on his own, but the actual overdose itself is just so stylishly done. Um, and again, for 1996, there wasn't really much of that stuff going on, although there was hints of it in shallow grave. Um, you know, things like the way that the light came through the ceiling. And if anyone's seen shallow grave, you know, one of the characters basically just puts lots of, um, drill holes. He's hiding in, in the attic and he puts drill holes so he can see everything. And it looks beautiful because when the light comes down, it shines in different arcs on the room. And it's just, it's a very, very stylish thing to do. And I think that that scene is just Danny Boyle saying, well, you know, everyone else has got their big moment in this film. This is mine. I'm going to do it this way. It's, it's obviously, it's his, it's his whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think, I think you touched on something key there. I think Boyle said himself, he said, most British films, it's all about the script. And he said, obviously, that's really important, but he felt a lot of British films hadn't really been that visually interested. Yeah. And as you say, you know, throughout Danny Boyle's films, that's something he's known for. And, and like you say, this was just at his absolute best. Now I'm going to look at, you know, some of the other remaining scenes. The next one, I suppose, is the where he actually goes cold turkey. What are your thoughts on that one, Carl? Begby. Begbie under the covers still makes me laugh stupidly. <laughs> and it's just the way, because he's smoking, and it's just the way, it's just the one line he turns around to him and says, well, this is fucking good, isn't it? I love that so much, that one line. And then he threatens by saying, I see if I come back and that shite's still here. 
then and any panics from that. And um, again, it's the music that makes that because it's the sort of like the tense build up, isn't it? Of he's um, he's getting hotter and sicker and hotter and sicker, and his parents are, won't won't listen to him. And um, I like the fact that his mother says um, you're worse on that stuff than the methadone. And I thought a parent of that age shouldn't know the word methadone, which I thought was really sad. True. She knows all about it. And the fact that for some reason Dale Winton is in that scene, that's strange. <laughs> Dale Winton is in train spotting. Really hard. But again, it's, it's, it's all about the direction, isn't it? It's just, I mean, you could just basically say Renton gets sick because he's, you know, he's, he's doing cold turkey. But it's just, they, he makes sure he puts you through it, like, you know, Diane sitting on the bed. So there's his guilt for that. Um, Tommy slides across the wall, so there's guilt for that. And then Spud sat, sat on top of the doorway. Um, with his leg irons on, just just brilliantly done, just absolutely brilliantly done. But that, but I think it's the music that makes that. Yeah, yeah, and I think as you say, like the sort of um, you know where it's showing you the rooms changing size and all yeah. the different people coming in, and like as you say, all the things that sort of give you an insight into his guilt. Yeah, you know, obviously we've seen flashes beforehand, but now bringing them all together was magnificent. What about yourself, Rory? Yeah, I, I'd agree on on the on the, the guilt front because it is it is a big part of his it's 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 this whole flashback of of what he's done wrong basically and you can see I think you can see deep down that he does want to change his life I mean that's that's ultimately what it's about but mm-hmm. but obviously the the addiction he's got is he's trying to quit so many times and. It's probably the only, you know, the, the parents talk of, of the methadone and it's not using it this time. It's not using something else. It is going cold turkey. It is, you know, fighting your demons and, you know, the, the padlocks on the door. And yeah, I mean, it's again, it's a tough scene to watch. The baby on the ceiling is it's pretty harrowing and it's it's the music and you can kind of feel him sweating. You know what I mean? He, he's obviously going through it all. Um but it's a really important scene at the same time. It is, it's the scene that that ultimately is the, is the one that will, you know, change his future because he's he's finally being forced to give up his addiction. Um, and even though he does go back to heroin a couple of times, you feel like at that point he's kind of made a conscious decision coming out of it to to change his life, and and that's kind of ultimately what to London and you know and things go from there really. Well, that's a good place, really, for, for, for you to tell me your thoughts on the whole trip to London and the, the drug deal and ultimately uh, rent and taking the cash at the end. Yeah. I, I, I love the kind of switch to London. Um, I love that he's he's got a job um, and he's vlogging <laughs> houses to people. Um, <laughs> and they kind of show, you know, that felt very 90s watching that, that scene back yesterday because it's... You know, people selling what three hundred and twenty quid a week in London. I don't know what you wouldn't be able to get anything for three hundred and twenty oh, quid a week in London. Yeah, um, not the Telgarth Road either. No, exactly. <laughs> and even that shitty flat that he eventually, you know, puts his mates in. You know that no one can get rid of. It's um, yeah, it's it's good, and you can feel you know as much as he he likes his mates. It's it's getting. To him, obviously, sharing a, a place with Beggy when he <laughs> when he knocks on his door, and um, yeah, it all becomes, you know, it all becomes a point of he wants, you know, the passport's the key thing. When he gets asked about the passport and flogging the passport, I think he he puts it in a in a locker, doesn't he? Or, 
or something <laughs> yeah. to keep it away from essentially getting nicked. Um, that's maybe it's one of the decision-making elements that actually he's got a passport. If he has some money, then he can reinvent his life. You know, he can he can change his life, and um, ultimately, you know, he chooses to do that. And although he's screwing over his mates you know, you kind of understand exactly why he's doing it, because they're not really his mates at the end of the day, you know. Well, they make it easy for him, don't they? Because we're in the yeah, scene in the yeah. pub where um, where uh, Sick Boy goes outside for some reason, and uh, and he says, you know, um, when I come, see, when I come back, that money's going to be there, and, uh, and yeah. when he goes back in again, he says, oh, you know, the money's still here, so yeah, I wouldn't run out on a man. He'd have to go, well, I would. Said, okay, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about you, because you can tell it's been already, because he says it's already been in his mind that he might do it. Yeah, um, and he feels bad for Spud, and it's a shame that scene where they're all laughing and being equal when they're, they're all happy with the money and stuff. Yeah, and and Begbie's genuinely witty in that when he talks about like you know the island with the sewage outlet, <laughs> and they all genuinely laugh and funny what he said, and then of course he remembers that he's Begbie and has to start a fight somewhere <laughs> involving glass. But I, I read the um, I was so obsessed with the script for it, with you know, the actual with the stage directions on it and stuff, yeah. and you know the very last scene where it shows Begbie just ripping the, the room to pieces when he realises it's being ripped off. Yeah, and the police. The entire stage director of that is just Begbie goes Raj. I love the the idea of Danny Ball. I was just saying to him, just go Raj. Five minutes on your own, just kick the shit out of everything in that room. It's I, I, it's one of them. I think uh, th- those last few scenes. I think particularly Begbie. I love how it's sort of uh, like I think you've touched on it. It's sort of it crystallises, and like what Rory said, he's already had those sort of, he's had the sort of visions while he was cold turkey and of, of all the bad things he's done, and he's haunted by guilt, and then he's now got the reminder of of how how these friends, they're not going to change, you know, Begbie, even with, you know, thousands of pounds to test their life, is still Begbie and will still cause yeah. mayhem and murder over someone knocking his pint over. And Sipboy, as he actually said, comes out and says it himself that he would have done it. Yeah. And, and obviously, he doesn't want anything way else hurting Spud as yeah. well, So, which obviously he does do. And I just think it's a really good way to, to sort of cap off the film and end it in a way where what he does next makes total sense to to that character and what he's been through. He, that they, that Renton and Spuds have a silent conversation yeah. when when yeah. Spuds on the floor. Oh, it's brilliant! Isn't That's it? a really it's really well done. That just just acting mm-hmm. with eyes. Yeah, that's just so well done. And the way he just sort of like nods to him. And goes, oh, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, that was the, 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 just as you say, so well acted that that part, and you know you can feel that. The closest bond in, in that group is between them two because Renton does recognise that Spud for all his faults, he does have this this real heart and you know this this sort of innocence that the others don't really have and you know yeah no it's a really good way to to finish it and that's a really good way to end the pod really I suppose the last question to you both here start with you please Carl is is there anything you we haven't mentioned or touched on that you'd you'd like to mention before we finish yeah one one thing and it, it's a very very personal thing and it, it's Irvin Welsh um I've always got the impression with Irvin Welsh that people think he's the, he's the drug writer and um uh, you know who, who, who basically got lucky and wrote Trainspotting and wrote Filth and and things like that 
and that he only ever writes about drugs. I think Evan Welsh is my favourite story writer, I think, living today. Um, he's been as a, a, I always blush when I say the word writer myself, um, as as a fiction writer myself, he is by far one of the biggest influences on me. Um, and without wishing to go on about my own book, which is two pounds on Amazon. It's called on what do you do? And it actually just realized it involves four four mates. It's about mates who, um, shouldn't really be mates, but they stick with each other. It was not a direct copy of trains box. I've only just thought about it and I wrote it 12 years ago. So, (laughs) um, it's just, he's such a phenomenal mind. It's a phenomenal mind. His writing is beautiful. And it's, it's funny because we were saying, we were saying on Twitter yesterday, Joe, that, you know, we, we, we pick up the odds, um, you know, a bit of slang every now and then, like oh, yeah. saying stuff like cat boy, that sort of thing. And, um, calling life your puff and stuff like that. But it's, uh, he's just so good. I, I, if you've never read any book other than train spot, I beg people to read Marabou Stort nightmares because it's grim. But it's so fa- very surreal and it's very very funny, and I, I, he's just he's just a huge influence for me. Absolutely love him. He can do no wrong. And that's a good place to end with your thoughts there, Carl. What about yourself, Rory? Is there any anything we might not have touched on that you'd like to raise before we end? No, just just for me, it's just a movie that defines a, a generation. You know, it's just it's a masterpiece, and um, I mean, Danny Boyle's gone on to make some huge films and I'm sure we'll continue to do so and I, I kind of we haven't talked I haven't seen it and, and I know some people really like the second film and, and some people got some reservations um, but I, I kind of am glad they went back to it I mean a lot of people don't think you should always do that but it, it did feel like it was kind of the right time and yeah I, I kind of just glad everyone could tell that everyone gave everything in this film you know there's there's not a, a person that was involved that you don't think bought fully into it and yeah that's what i said earlier that everyone that had some screen time you know really made use of it and delivered the script and, and the story is as excellently as they could and yeah i just it's yeah it's a, it's a proud piece of filmmaking which we don't have enough of or or, or didn't um and, yeah, and it's not dated at all if you watch exactly. it again now it's it's like it came out yesterday. Yeah, and and it looks it looks incredible as well. I mean, that's the thing. It's that's because you know Danny Boyle's cinematography is just off the charts. I mean, yeah. the, the scenes with the running and and obviously the toilet and, and the things we we've touched upon. It's just it's just so well made. It's, it's oh, sorry, it's, the coach, the coach as well. <laughs> when when they're the only people and, and they're all paranoid and glaring at each other as well. Even, yeah. even that looks beautiful because it's beautifully oh, grim. Yeah, definitely. yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a beautifully grim film. I can put it better. Not. Yeah, no, uh, well put by you both there. Uh, obviously, I know me, me and Rory haven't seen it yet, but we intend to. In a word, Carl, uh, T2, uh, did it live up to your expectations? Can I have more than one word? Of course you can. <laughs> it's hilarious, and at one point it turns into the killing, because <laughs> it gets all mysterious. Because there's a, there's a, obviously there's there's a little bit of toing and froing as regard loyalty, shall we say? What I will say is, if you haven't seen it, but you've read porno and are expecting it to be porno, the the there's the, the book porno, I should say. Uh, it's um, it, it's a it's a different ending. It's so you know, so when you're watching it, even if you know that that, that book backwards, there's hardly anything in it in that book at all, apart from the sense of premise of like you know, sick boy's got the, the pub stuff, but the baby comes back back out of jail. But yeah, I want I want to go and see it again. It's brilliant. Okay, well, there's your recommendation, people. And uh, that's a good place to end. Uh, Where can people find more of your thoughts and your work, Rory? 
just on Twitter at this stage at Rory Greenfield. I'm delving a little bit into to writing about film and various things because it's what I'm passionate about most, really. Um, and yeah, if you want to go back and visit some of the pods we've done on here, there's been some crackers really over the over a year or so. Oh, thanks. And obviously, uh, Rory co-hosts the, the AI comic pod and so there's been some fantastic pods on there. So I encourage anyone listening, if you like comic book movies, please go and check them out because they're fantastic. And what about yourself, Carl? Uh, I'm on Twitter as the Sensi, um, with C's, not S's, um, which is pretentiously named after a Shelley poem, which I've, <laughs> I regret every single day. Um <laughs> It's people think it's got something to do with my taekwondo stuff because I do taekwondo. <laughs> um, and uh, I've got two books out, one which is not about train spotting, although I'm beginning to see similarities, uh, called On What Do You Do? And I wrote a book called with Sash Nikrani called Whatever Russ. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm filled in next. And once again, I'd encourage everyone to check out uh, Carl's work as well. Some excellent work on both Anfield Index and the Anfield Rap, and obviously both those books as well. So uh, thanks to everyone who's listened and um, always appreciate any feedback. My Twitter is at Joe Simpson79 or at AI Movie Night. And as always, please download the AI channel app. It's just got something for everyone. So thank you. Pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.